realms of peril and glory will begin after these short messages. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. We'd like to thank our patrons, David Pello, Has Matilda, and LND, for their support in making this series possible. If you'd like to join them and get ad-free listening, bonus shows, and a lot more, then head on over to patreon.com slash lightandtragic. Hello, and welcome to Spooky Sword Lesbians on Realms of Peril and Glory, a uh, TTRPG actual play podcast. I am your GM today, Ella Watts. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a podcast producer and game designer, and I am joined by several excellent human beings who are going to be thirsty sword lesbians with me in the wonderful game written by april kit walsh published by evil hat productions players i would like you to introduce yourselves and your characters please uh starting with danny i'm danny um i am a voice actor and director of podcasts and other things i am playing johanna lancaster her pronouns and mine are she, her, hers, and she's playing the chosen. Sasha, please, could you introduce yourself and your character? Uh, hi, I'm Sasha Sienna. Uh, I am a game designer and general nerd about the internet. And my pronouns are she, he, or they. And I am playing Jenny Hendricks, who is the scoundrel and whose pronouns are she, her. Perfect. Thank you. Beth. Hey, I'm Beth Crane. I My pronouns are she, her. Um, I write and make We Fix Space Junk. And I am playing Adora Marion, a seeker whose pronouns are also she, her. Perfect. And finally, Maddie. Hello, I am Maddie Searle. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I am a general podcast person who you may know from also this podcast and other things. And I am playing Hermia Winterbottom, whose pronouns are she, they. Beautiful. Okay. So in this game of Thirsty Sword Lesbians, Spooky Sword Lesbians, uh, we are kind of doing an urban fantasy style game set in the rural northern English town of Snowy Vale, uh, which is in Derbyshire in the Peak District, um, in between Sheffield and Manchester, uh, for anyone who's particularly curious. Uh, It's a pretty small town. It's where all of our player characters grew up. Uh, However, they have since left it for various reasons. And what's very special about Snowy Vale is that it is situated on a Hellmouth, Hell with one L as in the Norse goddess, which is at the intersection of seven ley lines. It was here about 400 years ago that Dr. John Dee, on behalf of the Queen, sealed all fairies and magic in Britain under the ground into Anavan, the fairy otherworld, uh, for them to no longer roam freely as they once 
did. Over the centuries, uh, the British Museum has become involved in this. After its founding in the 1700s, it inherited a series of encoded diaries by Dr. John Dee, which led to their discovery of the Hellmouth and the various creatures that occasionally spill out of it. This led to the establishment of the Metaphysical Acquisitions Branch, or MAB, uh, which is dedicated to collecting, studying, and uh, preserving various magical artifacts. And it was into this organization that all of you were recruited as quite young people in your uh, kind of late teens in Snowy Vale, uh, because of course its head office is in Snowy Vale itself on the Hellmouth. You were recruited by Professor Rupert Crowley, uh, who is a, an academic and occultist of some renown. He was a fairly senior agent of the Metaphysical Acquisitions Branch. And with them, you fought many hard battles. You defended your home from monsters. Uh, but eventually, kind of, you turned 18. You figured you'd grown up. You could leave this behind. You left that trauma behind. You left the monsters behind. Unfortunately for you, 10 years later, uh, Rupert has called you back because the seal uh, that Dr. John Dee put on the Hellmouth to seal all that magic under the ground uh, is fracturing and looks like it is finally about to collapse after over 400 years years. If it collapses, it will see the violent return of chaotic magic to Britain and uh, potentially even an apocalypse. Uh, so Rupert has called you back to help him as, as the last surviving MAB agents who understand the Hellmouth and this area. Uh, whether or not you actually wanted to come, each of you were attacked in your homes, even across the ocean, uh, by a fairy creatures, and you've kind of found yourselves forced to come back to this small uh, village town um, in northern England. I also just want to put out a quick disclaimer here. Uh, the divide between the North and South in the UK is a very real one, and there are serious class and economic issues that need to be considered. The North of England is generally discriminated against and not properly considered by our government. I'm very happy to say that on a podcast for this reason. I'm going to apologise here and now to anyone from the north of England. I will occasionally be doing really terrible accents. This is in no way meant to be disrespectful. Please consider this entire game to be set in an alternate universe where I am not trying to do a realistic accent because I'm bad at accents and I don't want to be rude. So these are fake fantasy English people and I'm just going to disclaim that right up front. Okay, uh, so... As we're getting into this, uh, it is uh, late in the year, it's autumn, the leaves are turning, there's a kind of cold wind blowing, the days are getting shorter and darker, and uh, there's generally a bit of a chill in the air, there's a bit of magic in the air. And all of you kind of pull back up uh, to to this, this, this village in the Peak District. And the Peak District are these beautiful, epic, huge hills, like covered in uh, like moors and long grass and trees, like kind of like there's browns and greens and, and, and coppers. Uh, you can smell the kind of like fresh kind of like soil and trees and water in the various kind of rivers that, that run around here um, and cold stone. Um, and I think it's like kind of like late afternoon as you come upon this like small town full of like uh, buildings made of dry stone walls, these kind of very picturesque uh, kind of like cobblestone walls um, in this very old, old village that has been here for thousands of years. So what I want from each of you is to describe to me how you have traveled home and uh, tell me one thing that you love about Snowy Vale that you've really missed. Describe the town for me. I'm going to start with Maggie. I think that Hermia has been living in a sort of drafty 
former warehouse kind of loft place in London uh, and has sort of got the train up and then probably the train doesn't go directly to Snowy Vale so has to get a very janky local bus the last bit of the way and um, also because she has a fey companion who is a cat called Egg after the Hebridean Island not the food stuff um, and that is not a normal thing really for someone to have a cat around with them all the time so she has one of those really weird backpacks with a little window <laughs> in it so that Egg can kind of look out I actually have those for my cats <laughs> yes amazing my cat would refuse I, I wish for a cat that would be so generous as to let me use one of those um and so i think as she um comes back i think even though of course in london there's lots of nice parks and things i think just having lots of trees integrated into the town just makes her feel really at home um because as as a spooky witch she she enjoys um partaking in nature she has a lot of botanical drawings decorating her notebooks and her clothes and all this kind of thing so i think yeah having a bit more of the of nature around her makes her feel a bit more at home lovely okay adora beth uh tell me how have you traveled home and uh what's one thing that you love about this village that you've really missed um adora also took a train from london um uh, saw Hermia on the bus and waited for the next bus. Oh. Uh, just, just because she was a bit like, I don't, I don't know how to start this conversation. It's been a really long time. I'm just gonna wait till we get there. Uh, just, I'm better at hanging out with them in groups. So, yeah, a shyness Oof. rather than disliking Hermia. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, and what is one thing that you love about this village uh, that you've really missed? The wide open sky. Um, I live in a, a little basement flat near the British Museum that is pe like horrendously expensive and I basically don't see the sky very often. Sasha, how has Jenny travelled home and uh, what's one thing that she really loves about this place that she's missed? Uh Jenny has got the, the latest train that she can from Brighton where she can't really afford to live, but she's like determined to make it work. As soon as she gets there, she will stop off to buy a pint that costs less than a fiver, which she will love. And also um, the water just tastes so much better here. It is so true. I am right now in real life Manchester and Jesus Christ does the sound Oh my God, I'm suffering so much. I miss it so much. <laughs> I'm drinking Southern water Edinburgh right water now. is like... <laughs> crystal in my mouth it's just like it's sweet it's actually sweet anyway um back into our fantasy world uh danny how does uh joanna come home how does joanna travel home and describe one thing that she's actually really missed about this village um johanna's had to uh take a plane or actually two planes um so she was in new york city all this time um, which is, it, it feels only right since I'm the, um, the, the token American <laughs> in the group um, that she spent the past 10 years over uh, across the pond, but not too far. Um, so it was that six hour into uh, Heathrow, I believe. Um, it's the six hours into Heathrow and then, um, then a train and then a bus, actually, yes. I think that she takes the earliest one possible um, just because I think she arrives like is able to take a red eye and then 
take the bus so that she can arrive just before like sunrise. So she's like probably like there really, really early. Um, and I think the thing that she probably missed the most about um, being here is just the quiet and also the smells because like obviously living in a bigger city it's it smells like a city it sounds like a city like etc cetera, etc cetera. but being able to actually see all of like you know the greenery and things like that and um also just like you know clear just it smells clear it smells clean it smells like home also her family lives here so i would say she missed that too oh do you know what else cool jenny misses being able to see mm -hmm. the stars yeah. yeah. No, that's what I was going to say about Johanna as well. <laughs> so maybe that's it's indicative. Like it's just the sky's clear. There's no there's no light pollution. Yeah. Um so you all kind of like arrive back in a uh, snowy vale and I the, the summons that you received uh from Professor Crowley from Rupert were pretty urgent. Uh so I think that you probably head quite quickly to the MAB outpost, the outpost of the Metaphysical Acquisitions branch, uh, the 400-year-old branch of the British Museum dedicated to collecting uh, magical artifacts and studying them and better understanding them. And of course, this extremely magical, high-tech, weaponized, uh, almost pseudo-military branch is behind the local uh, Snowy Vale Community Library. Uh, so you all uh, wander into the Snowy Vale Community Library. Uh, there is a poster for a lost cat that looks a little bit old. Um, there's a poster for a reading group that is currently reading all the books of Georgette Heyer. Um, you see an older person inside the library um, who some of you uh, recognize as uh, Mrs. Atkinson, who is estimates in the village go between like 80 and 120 like no one knows how old this woman is you just know that she has literally been in this village your entire lives um and she has like quite a nice kind of like pink cardigan um on and is using like a cane which has a little cat pattern on it um and she kind of she doesn't really seem to be paying much attention to you she is in the romance section of the library uh which is much better stocked than any of the other shelves um there are several uh, different romance novels uh on that shelf and uh, as you wander in towards the back of the library to the storeroom, which you all know leads to the kind of secret door um, to the Mab outpost, uh, colloquially known as the Winter Court, uh, you pass uh, Vivian Fletcher. Uh, Vivian Fletcher is someone you grew up with. She was the local goth in your school. She's got like big curly black hair um, and quite fair skin, very bright green eyes. She wears like heavy kind of black makeup, big black boots, lots of kind of like uh, kind of a choker with spikes, like, um, you know, cuffs and things, uh, ripped black band t-shirt um, and black skinny jeans. As she is sitting on the counter of the library rather than behind it, uh, smoking. Um, and uh, she just kind of raises her eyebrows at you all as you all come in. What, so you failed to make it anywhere else? Should you be smoking in here? It's my library, I do what I want. But the books are so flammable. Yeah. They're I so mean, honestly, flammable. You have a fire extinguisher? Okay, so I can see that you haven't changed at all in the last 10 years. Uh, don't worry, there's a fire extinguisher and she kind of leans behind the desk and like picks up a fire extinguisher that she's clearly like taken off the wall so like it's right next to her in case she needs it. Ta-da! Have you had it checked recently? I assume you have something else to be doing than okay. asking me about health and safety. Unless you work for health and safety, which honestly, Adora would not be a surprise for, like it, that. that is not at all surprising as like a kind of life destination for you. Are you like a health and safety inspector now? Do you like part of the civil service? Are you, do you have a little checkboard somewhere? I just blush bright red. Aww. 
I'm also very afraid that she has access to my library records. Uh-huh. Because yeah, no, I checked out most of that romance section as a teenager. Yeah. Um, like six or seven a week. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, she, she, she kind of, uh, kind of, you know, um, I we got some new books in. If if you want any, um, there's a couple more by like a Tallulah Cherry. I know that you were partial to a kind of sweet dessert. Uh, no judgment. I can buy my own books now. Great, good for you. I'm so glad. Well, I mean, support your local libraries, kids. Uh, anything else you guys want or i'm assuming you're gonna do whatever the fuck it is that you do back in that room play dungeons and dragons i'm assuming roll dice nothing wrong with dungeons and dragons have a podcast i mean i was actually here to uh, renew my library card i just you know i thought maybe. oh yeah sure okay shit um and she kind of stubs out her cigarette in like an ashtray which is on the desk um and like turns on this like extremely old computer like it is so, so like, like, like it makes a kind of sound as like it's like um this is gonna take like 20 minutes so like if you want to you know do a walk around the town like if you just leave that with me i can like okay i guess i'll Johanna kind of stammers and like clams up because it was like a very dry bad joke that she was making and like <laughs> she's turned the computer on and she has to go through with it. She has work hard, but like <laughs> she kind of slides it slowly against the uh, the sort of the countertop and she's like, I, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll go with these guys in the meantime. <laughs> Thanks. Cool. <sighs> Enjoy your nerd times. I like your dog, by the way. Thank you, Alan. Um, I think like I think that you you say that and like this this tiny like currently quite tiny um, little sausage black sausage dog comes like <laughs> trotting up behind you, um, and I'm here is kind of next to your ankles and uh, like for the first time like this whole time uh, Viv has been like pretty deadpan, but as soon as this dog comes in, she like her whole face like switches on like a light bulb, um, and she kind of grins and she kind of gets up like quickly enough that the chair like on this like very thin threadbare brown like beige carpet kind of. Sc- squeaks a bit and she goes can can i pet your dog yeah for sure i mean if it's okay with him alan is that okay hermia is that okay with alwyn yeah i think um hermia will just give like a very discreet nod to johanna like kind of as they did 10 years ago uh develop a sort of covert (laughs) um communication too (laughs) because hermia can understand the fey languages And, and Hermia, you do you do hear kind of a voice in your head whispering you'll say, Hey, listen, I love new friends and this one's really cute, so I say that we make Joanna as like flustered as possible. Um oh, no. in real life, like Elwyn's just tail is like just like wagging very fast, which is kind of enough of an indicator for everyone else. Um it seems like he's okay with it. Let's do it. Yep, go right ahead. So Viv like crouches down with these massive kind of stompy platform uh, combat boots and immediately starts like petting Elwyn and like kind of scratching behind his ears. She's like, oh, this is the best dog ever. Oh, my <laughs> landlord won't let me have pets and it's the worst. What, 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 what's his name? Uh, his name's Alwyn. Alwyn, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's so cute. What is that? Like some kind of like, nutty, like, like medieval shit? Sure, yeah, something like that. I. It kind of seemed like the name came with him. It just sort of felt right. I... Right, 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 right. Yeah. 
sort of like, like the lightsaber on. chooses the Jedi or whatever. Yeah, the name chooses the dog. I I don't think I ever really had any choice in the matter. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I haven't really ever thought about why he has that name, but why do any of us have names? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hermia Elwin winks at you. Okay. <laughs> um, Hermia is also going to take the backpack off her back and just kind of thrust it forward aggressively. Like, do you want to see my cat? And then Egg's just going to hiss in <laughs> his face. <laughs> like, Viv like, is kind of like, she like flinches that back a bit, like, first is like, whoa. And then she's like, holy shit. It's like a little astronaut. Look at the little, the little window. Oh my God. Oh, can I pet your cat? I mean, you can try, sure. And she opens up the bag and lets Egg go out and just like, do what you want. I'm not gonna stop you. Egg like immediately jumps out of the backpack and onto the top of this like extremely wide, like large, old, like 90s computer, which in the process of trying to switch on has gotten so warm that it's a little bit like an open fire. Um, And Egg just like lies on top of the computer and just like curls up and kind of dismissively like looks at all of you and one of his ears like flicks. Um, And then they just like, lie their heads down on their paws and like Viv looks at Egg and it looks looks between Egg and Elwyn and is like I mean if you guys want to leave these guys here while you do your like LARPing shit like I mean I'm a very responsible caretaker she kind of looks at the the, the, the various cigarette butts yeah. in the ashtray. You're very like, responsible. Yeah. He's got Yeah no for real. He's that's why they made you assistant librarian. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna reel with you, Adora. We've got like a box of Delilah Cherry in the back room that I know you haven't read that I can just give you if you let me pet these animals. I accept your tribute. Sweet, okay, that's a deal. Uh, Jenny, good to see you. Uh, Seeming you're keeping well. Oh, oh, you can't say that I did a because uh, it's a stupid <laughs> audio medium. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think that, like, Viv just kind of, like, I think has a bit of a knowing grid. I imagine that at some point in school, Jenny hooked up with everyone. Like, it's kind of the impression that I get from I Jenny. I feel like that uh-huh. tracks. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like Jenny has hooked up with Viv at some point. Um, and, like, uh, Viv is like, well, I mean, you have my number. Text me later. Um, and, uh, like, very happily kind of sits back down on the desk and, like, petting these two animals, like, very carefully and respectfully petting the top of Egg's head. And Egg, Egg kind of, I think, tolerates mm-hmm. it, like, at the moment. They might change their mind later. Um, yeah. I'm kind of sending them telepathic vibes to be like, if you see an opportunity to fuck her <laughs> shit up, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, okay, so you uh, open like a kind of like balsa wood, like plywood, like shitty wood door um, to the back room, and on that door is like a poster that's like, "Don't forget to wash your hands." Um, and then underneath that is like another thing saying, "Don't forget to close the toilet seat." And then underneath that is another thing saying, "Don't flush unsuitable things down the toilet." And then underneath that, there's just like some graffiti being like, "Lol toilets," um, <coughs> because that's the that's the caliber of graffiti we get. In in snowy Vale, um, and you kind of open this like kind of storeroom door, go past the staff uh, toilet, which also stinks of cigarette smoke, um, and you get to a kind of like you know that kind of like it's sort of mica speckled linoleum, like that kind of like cream, almost vomit pink colored mm-hmm. like thing that you get like in like shitty back rooms, yeah. Um, there is like that kind of linoleum floor, like these very kind of washed out gray um, light coming in through the windows. Um, and there is a kind of like 
square metal hatch uh, for a trap door. Um, and as you all uh, get in, uh, the trap door springs open and a tall, affable man uh, who looks a lot like David Tennant, um, basically uh, wearing a kind of like tweed jacket and a waistcoat and a little pocket watch uh, with this kind of like messy brown hair or brown eyes, uh, looks at all of you through these like kind of square glasses. It's like, ah, excellent. You're late. Uh, come on, downstairs. Harmia Fool had a crush on uh, Rupert when uh, they were a teenager, and it's it's all coming back to them now. <laughs> Same with Adora. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he kind of like climbs back down this kind of metal ladder that goes underneath the ground. Uh, do you all follow? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Adora and Hermia sort of like slightly competing to be the one that goes behind him, but not consciously. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you know what? Um, give me a roll to defy disaster um, and add your grace. Um, so a defy disaster roll is basically catch all roll in Thessus or Lesbians that's not covered by the other abilities. So you roll 2d6 and add the relevant stat. Um, so in this case, your grace. So uh, Beth and Maddie, uh, roll me to defy disaster and add your grace to see who gets to go down closest to Rupert. I got seven. Ooh. I got 12. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, Adora. I am so close to Rupert. Yeah, like Adora, you <laughs> slip right in there. Describe to me how like Adora kind of like snipes in uh, before Hermia has the chance. She is wearing the most sensible leather pumps uh, um. and just sort of slips in there. Uh, she's a very narrow woman um, and she just fits into the tiniest of spaces. Excellent, excellent. So, I, and I think that like what happens is like, cause that, that is a 12 and in Thessie's World Lesbians, that is like an, an absolute, like unbelievable success. And I think though the way that I'm going to read that is not only do you, you get down quite close uh, next to Rupert and smell like he, he smells very nice. He wears like quite a nice aftershave. Um, it's kind of like not too strong, but kind of like a light kind of pine scent. You kind of feel like uh, the warm but like as you get to the bottom of the ladder I think that you and I don't know whether Adora actually slips or whether she pretends to slip um I will leave it up to you but I think you slip and uh, in inverted commas and you kind of stumble and he like catches you um and kind of like leans down like holds holds your arms like oh dear Adora are you all right oh oh I'm I'm so sorry I'm clumsy. <laughs> he, he kind of adjusts his glasses and, and smiles at you and kind of squeezes your elbow and says, no need to apologize, my dear. And then kind of like sets you down and then walks away. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. You all kind of get down into Mab Outpost 1, into uh, the uh, headquarters of the Metaphysical Acquisitions Branch, otherwise known as the Winter Court. And in front of you, just a series of massive overhead lights switch on going for like literally miles into the distance. And you see in front of you an incredible 400 year old library buried beneath the ground in this almost like an Anglo-Saxon hall. Like it has this beautiful kind of wood decorated ceiling. Like it has just shelves and shelves covered in kind of like gold detailing. In here smells of like parchment and old books and kind of like the beeswax to lacquer like the wooden floors and there were various different kind of like gadgets and gizmos and things like floating and hovering around in kind of various display cases um you see a couple of wisps will-o'-the-wisps uh in one of the cabinets kind of endlessly circling around each other in this kind of terrarium almost of like this like synthetic um marsh you you see kind of like floating little like wheels and and, and clocks and and watches that are all like seem to kind of, like disassemble themselves and then reassemble themselves again um and there is kind of distantly a very like quiet kind of classical music uh playing on an old uh gramophone uh player and uh rupert kind of like glances back towards in, in that general direction and kind of flushes a bit and says, sorry, right, I, I just like to evolve, indulge in a little Schubert when the world's about to end. Um, so fantastic. Uh, so excellent to have you all here. Um, as I said in my email um, and Joanna in my uh, email, text message, voicemail, letter, <laughs> uh, this is really uh, a matter of life or death. Uh, but, but more than that, because I'm aware that for you, life or death is is is, is somewhat parochial. This is a matter of uh, apocalypse, cataclysm, the end of the world uh, as we know it, Ragnarok, if you like. Uh, so if if we could all, and he kind of gestures towards this like beautiful kind of mahogany, like wide dark wood table uh, and various like kind of chairs positioned around it, which immediately hits you all with a wave of nostalgia from from the days that you spent in your childhood here. And there are various kind of stacked books and papers all across it. There are also also, like at least 16 empty mugs of tea um which are all like different like kind of community library the community library the village like has a fair every year and there's like a bit in the community library and every single one of them is like a different year of the village fair like that has like a little like design on it um all of these empty mugs of tea and he kind of gestures for you all to sit down uh so as i said world ending uh the hellmouth is going to collapse that's a bad thing uh because if you recall um and jenny i'm not sure that you will uh the hellmouth is the thing that seals all magic beneath the earth i've told you about I this know oh, what the 300 is. times i know what the hellmouth is 
you've told me upwards of three hundred <laughs> times. Uh, well, fair enough. Um, it's good to know you're listening now. Uh, the Hellmouth uh, is going to f- f- fracture, shatter, be destroyed. And unfortunately, we no longer have a royal magician, which means that it's down to, well, myself and you four, because we are literally the only survivors of the current generation of MAB agents, uh, because Gudrun has been even more bloodthirsty than she has been previously. And considering that there is an entire old English epic about that, I think personally that's rather impressive. Uh, well, you know, you know, I mean, there is no longer an office for a royal magician. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just, something of a publicity like, crisis in the 1800s. You made it sound like they died like everyone else. I, sorry, I only read the email and the text message. I did not open the letter. Well, that's heartening. You know, there, there were there were a few things that I really, really sort of poured my heart into that, um, I, actually. So I, I, I brought I, it with me. I just didn't, okay. No, no, well, and, and I mean, I, I think he's probably going to grab it from you unless you, like, try no, to no, stop No, 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 no. No, no, uh, you don't, you know what they say, Englishman, rather than me dead, than own up to our feelings. It's uh, just fantastic. Oh, my God. And he kind of clicks his fingers, and as he does, the letter sets itself on fire um, and just crumbles into ash. That's dramatic. Okay. Um. Anyway, uh, so we don't really, well, I'm not, completely sure how we can reseal it. We never really thought that the magic would fail. Dr. D left a note in his letter saying that it should last for millennia or at least. And and and, and as of yes, in the entire 400 year history of MAB, we have not discovered or deduced an, an, an accurate way to recreate the spell. So um, if it collapses, Gudrun and her fey legions will wage war on the earth. Uh, something, something, the destruction of all mankind, something, something, you evil bastards. Uh, so we have um, about 24 hours. Oh, gosh. Is there any way we can reason with them? Reason with the with with the violent, monstrous uh, fey creatures that are hell-bent, literally hell, huh, um, on our destruction. Those, the, do you know, I knew a man called Philip. Um, you also knew a man called Philip. He, he worked for, 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 for Mab. And uh, last month, Gudrun decided that it would be interesting if she reinstituted hanging, drawing, and quartering. Now, I don't know how much you know about hanging, drawing, and quartering, but it involves, you know, the insides being put on the outside and then several Kelpies in this particular case uh, ripping a man's limbs from his still living torso whilst he dies in abject agony. So, no, I don't think that we can reason with the violent monsters. So that's why he didn't get back to me. Hey, mate, you asked for our ideas. You haven't got any better ones. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jenny, you have a point. Hermia, I'm sorry. I am a little stressed. I've been having trouble sleeping recently. What with the impending apocalypse? Uh, you, you know how it is. Uh, I understand that you think that there's a chance that there could be more creatures like Egg, but this outpost has existed for 400 years. And in 400 years, you are the first and only person to have found a single fae out of hundreds of thousands that has not immediately and violently slaughtered everything in its path. I'm afraid just on the odds of probability, I'm not sure that's going to help us. All right, I I take your point, but if we constantly fight back with all our violence and aggression how how do we expect them to respond any differently oh yes joanna you're right it, it is a fair point 
I don't, this is a legacy that we have inherited. I cannot undo the last 399, 400 or so years of history. All that I can do is deal with the situation now. And the situation now seems to be past the point of any return. The Hellmouth will fall, Gudrun will wage war on humanity, and she will win because a nuclear bomb is not much against you know, magical creatures that can make it no longer exist and disappear out of this dimension. It's us or them. If we can't control the past, though, I mean, Hermia's right. All we have is sort of the present. I, I hate to say this, but I'm kind of team diplomacy here. I have to say, um, I there has to be some way we can do things differently than than what's been done before. It kind of sounds like you're just, I don't know, uh, using the same tactics to reach the same conclusion at this point. What you've been doing hasn't been working. That's why you called us, right? Well, yes. I mean, also the the situation changed, and that the, the Hellmouth is collapsing. But uh, Adora, you 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 always have something sensible to add. Well, um, I have been doing some research. Um, well, I'm always always doing research. Um, that there are. I mean, we could have another look at the diaries. See if there's anything else in there. Um, see if we could cross-reference it, perhaps, with some of his other works. But that could take a really, really long time. Um, well, I could help you. I, I, I think that that, I think that that's a good idea. I really, I really think that we need to do some more research into this. There must be something that that, that could could lead us to, to 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 re-strengthening the spell. I suppose. Well, all right. Uh, what if we do a two-pronged approach? What if we have some of you can try diplomacy, but you really shouldn't go alone. As I said, hung, drawn, and quarters. So perhaps some of you could do some diplomacy. Some of you can help me research into these diaries and see whether or not there's anything about re recasting and strengthening this uh, spell. Because, of course, I mean, the other peaceful resolution to this is to put them back in Anavan, which is where they are from. It is their home. We just let them stay where they're supposed to be, rather than here with you know, traffic in 747s. I don't think that that's a natural home for a hobgoblin anymore anyway. So perhaps, I mean, Johanna and Hermia, you both seemed keen on the diplomacy option, although Hermia, I would appreciate your uh, supernatural insights. Uh, Jenny? I can I can help Hermia and Johanna with, with diplomacy. I can do that. I don't want to go. I want to make that very, very clear. I, 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 I am in favor of this. It is not. I would much prefer um, if Adora will have me. I can stay here and do theoretical things and support you all from afar. <laughs> that's actually what I would prefer. <laughs> do you know, that's perfect, actually, Johanna, because I do want to make sure that I keep an eye on you. Uh, just, just you know, for, 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 for safety. Um, fantastic. So Adora and Johanna, uh, you can help me with the research. And then Jenny and Hermia, uh, go see if Goodfriend will negotiate. I doubt that she will. And again, I advise you to go armed. How does that sound? Is there a way to kill... Uh, Goodrum. Not that we've found. So obviously Beowulf famously was the first one who thought he did it. Uh, unfortunately, she has this nasty habit of regenerating. It seems yeah. that even if we reduce her to atoms, uh, she seems to be able to sort of recongeal, as it were. Again, this, this might be a question for our research. I mean, many before us have tried, but um, yeah. I suppose it's worth one more shot. Okay. You know, I don't like violence. It was just, it was one of those things where it's kind of, if it's if it's kill or be killed. <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean that. Like that, with so that, many other Fae. 
In, indeed, like Gudrun is the the, the, the the bloody queen of the Fae, the, the Bodicea. Uh, she will not rest until she sees all of us violently tortured and mutilated and then eventually killed. Uh, I would not be against killing her in this particular situation. It is literally war. Um, was there something that we... Did, did, was there an inciting incident to all of this bloodthirst? I, I, I know I've been away for quite some time, but like just in general, when the killing just recently just this time around because i know it's always something with gudrun and the fae for all of history etc etc but why do we have 24 hours now that would be because gudrun quite successfully uh launched an attack on the hellmouth itself right uh instead of settling for allowing fae creatures to escape out of fractures in the spell uh she seems to have refocused her efforts on uh breaking the barrier entirely uh and unleashing all fae kind back into the british isles uh she won a major victory about one month ago, which was when I first started trying to contact you all, uh, but unfortunately, Sorry about we that. are where we are. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. Well, that, that's alright. I, I hear that it's, life is very exciting across the pond in uh, the big city. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's been fine. She sort of look, looks awkwardly at everyone else. Okay, 24 hours then. That's fine. That should be plenty of time. I'm just going to say, you've had my number all along. Are you talking to Rupert? Yeah, I just figured, like... Uh-huh, okay, yeah, I thought I thought Jenny was talking to Johanna. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think if you say that, then, like, Rupert says, yes, well. I see. <laughs> I'm laughing, but Johanna also doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Adora, Hamia, Johanna, it's wonderful to have you back. Jenny, uh... <laughs> also here. Uh, I, as I said, I would advise you all to uh, arm yourselves before going to see Gudrun. She is even more bloodthirsty uh, than she has been in the last 400 years, and at this point I think she's killed over 7,000 of us. So, uh, do be careful. I have a suggestion of something I could do before we go. Um, I have uh, the ability to conduct a ritual and commune with the Fae. It has the possibility of going very wrong <laughs> but oh. if it goes right then we could learn a lot i i mean it's up to the players as the gm i would say it's a one shot big swings uh big swing high stakes only <laughs> yeah i'm yeah i'm happy to give that a shot okay um so uh g- g- give me a bit of rp how do you how do you introduce this idea um, so I need to give a dangerous unseen a string on me as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. So probably good, good, good <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing, <laughs> which might be bad, but might be good. I'm doing drum. it. Um, cool, yeah, so commune with the unseen. When you perform a rituals, commune with the unseen, give a dangerous unseen a string on you and roll plus spirit. And then depending on what happens, um, choose two. Maddie, for Hermia, in, in, in terms of like in this scene, could you role play for me a bit like your suggestion of, of, of doing this um, so that we can kind of go into it? Well, I, I very much agree with going armed. I think that's a very good idea. But first of all, I might do a bit of my own re- research in inverted commas, uh, if that's okay, because I can, I can do a ritual to commune with uh, one of the fae creatures and see if they'll give us any information about why they're doing this or how we can possibly negotiate. But yeah, uh, just fair warning, 
it, it, it can go badly wrong. It has gone badly wrong in the past, but when it works, it works real well. Right. So I'd, I'd talk that down as, as, as being a, a, about as, uh, well, in, 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 in character with every other plan I've ever seen you come up with. Uh, and Rupert kind of steps away from the table and picks up an AK-47 um, and kind of swings <laughs> it over his back. Um, on a kind of strap and and uh, walks you down towards the uh, kind of summoning circle here, which is engraved into uh, the wooden floorboards and kind of uh, decorated with gold. Currently in the middle of the summoning circle are several plastic chairs uh, <laughs> with uh, kind of like metal legs. And stuff. Right, right, so sorry. And he starts moving the plastic chairs out of the way. We, we have a, a sort of group therapy support group thing down here it's a, the, the latest sort of human resources shenanigan anyway um you can kind of move some stuff across you see like that there's like a kind of plastic laminated poster like blue tacked to one of these beautiful ornate like bookshelves um and it has like a little like cartoon uh pixie on it and it's it, it's saying don't forget no one likes contamination uh, in a kind of like word art like swipe um, wash your wounds after every fey encounter um, uh, and he kind of moves the chairs out of the way and says, right well uh, Hermia do your thing he gets the AK-47 off his back and just kind of like aims it at the centre of the circle watching my museum pass which is like that little plastic card but it is mounted in a little silver frame with a silver chain <laughs> nice. uh, because of the fey protection silver thing nice. and i'm just like clutching it quite scared um, i feel like so in our session zero we established like one of my questions was who's like a who are you recently smitten with and i feel like because we haven't seen each other in a very long time i feel like the fact that i'm recently smitten with hermia maybe is like at this it's like ah oh, she's doing mm. something super mm. dangerous i love <laughs> my that. interest that is hot <laughs> <laughs> Jenny's like, are you putting your life in danger? I'm also, down. Rupert disapproves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, um, Maddie, first of all, describe uh, this ritual and then do the role. Um, I would like to, if, if this is too much, then please let me know. But I would like to pitch that I can just like snap my fingers and egg just appears so yes. Uh, yes. so viv is probably very confused back in the community library mm -hmm. and so um and he kind of perches on my shoulders and starts purring and i um have this sort of scrappy little satchel filled with very ratty looking wildflowers that are a bit wilted and crappy and i sort of strew them lackadaisically around the summoning circle and then I just um, sit down cross-legged and um, close my eyes and put both hands flat on the ground and um, start to hum under my breath. Okay, cool. So now, Maddie, roll uh, 2d6 and add plus spirit. You've given Gudrun a string on you, um, which we will resolve as and when. I have plus one to spirit. And I got, I got six. Oh, oh no! Oh, ooh! You're very wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know what happens. This is fun. Oh no! Um, no. Cool. Yeah. So you, um, yeah, you, 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 you start to hum, Hamia, 
Um, and as I said, they, they have these kind of like massive like overhead lights. Like it's, it's kind of this combination of the modern and the old um, th- throughout like uh, the winter court. Um, but here's what happens. Hermia starts to hum and then that humming starts to like echo and loop almost as if it's on like a loop pedal. And it starts kind of looping more and more and getting more and more distorted as it echoes around this massive outpost. And the temperature just drops. It goes from what had been like a fairly kind of temperate like kind of body temperature to like minus 10 degrees celsius like immediately frost starts to appear on the bookshelves and across the uh wooden floorboards um and like all of you feel as if someone's walked over your grave and out of the middle of the circle steps uh Gudrun. Gudrun is a tall, statuesque, uh, muscular woman with long brown hair, big brown eyes, quite curvy as well. Um, And she's wearing this kind of like sort of green and white like tunic um, that is like quite sheer in various places and is wrapped around her. Um, But she also has like a massive fuck off sword on her back, like basically it's Vihander. Um, And she has these almost like kind of webbed ears uh, coming up like off the back of her ears. There's this kind of like green webbing Um, and these long green uh, claws on her hands and uh, these like bright, almost like dragon eyes. Um, And she kind of looks at you all and she grins and her teeth are all very sharp. And she says, oh, well, this is just adorable. Uh, Rupert immediately starts shooting and the bullets uh, go through her body. Her body seems to like open up um, like like gel or cloud and the bullets just do nothing. They hit the far wall and they like land in the bookcases and make this massive uh, fucking sound. Um, and uh, Gudrun um, kind of dematerializes and rematerializes right in front of you, Joanna. Um, and she runs a kind of clawed fingernail uh, down the side of your cheek um, and she grabs your shoulder with her other hand and she leans and you kind of feel the warmth of her behind you and I mean like she's this thousands year old creature but she also looks to be like a woman about your age yeah. it's kind of weird like your whole life her age is kind of adjusted with your ages uh-huh. um, and uh, she leans in close and kind of whispers in your ear and her lips are like quite cool as they brush like uh, your earlobe and she kind of says you're mine now and then she grins at you hermia and then she dematerializes and johanna you are you disappear and back in the library uh jenny adora and hermia uh you like the lights also kind of like all went out when she disappeared like with a massive kind of boom and everything is pitch black it's freezing cold and uh rupert kind of speaks into the darkness and goes well shit um and that is kind of where we're going to take our first break. Um, <laughs> it's a serious wrap on me, so um, it's been great. <laughs> yeah. It's like we just find Joanna's intestines. We're like, Ugh. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Realms of Peril and Glory. I hope you enjoyed this episode, the first episode of our uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, Spooky Sword Lesbians mini campaign. I'm Ella Watts. I have been your your GM today. If you would like to find me on social media, you can do so at GEJ Watts on Twitter and Instagram. Other stuff that I've made that you can check out right now includes Doctor Who Redacted, which is a queer feminist sci-fi audio drama for Doctor Who and BBC Sounds. 
If you like my approach to tabletop gaming, then you might want to check out my queer, hopeful game Upriver Downriver about sailing a boat on a magical river and rebuilding peace in the ruins of war. Uh, that book will be available to pre-order in August if you uh, sign up to the MacGuffin and Company newsletter or you check out our page on Kickstarter, you'll be able to get updates about when you can get that and you can download the Quick Start Guide for free. Uh, finally, if you would like to check out even more of my work because you just think I'm that great, uh, then you can find uh, my work as a director at Zombies Run, which is a kind of hybrid fitness gaming app where when you go for your run, you're being chased by zombies and maybe also there are characters and they have feelings and maybe some of those characters are queer. Basically, my brand is like gay genre fiction in audio. If you like that, you might like what I do. And thanks so much for listening. Everyone else, I would like you to uh, tell me your name, your handles, and kind of like anything that you want to plug, starting with Maddie. I am Maddie Searle. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maddie underscore abstract, where you can find links to all the various things that I do. And if you enjoyed this show, you might enjoy uh, another show that I work on as GM and director called Chapter and Multiverse, uh, which is an actual play podcast from Rusty Quill. Excellent. Okay, Beth. Um, you can hear me on We Fix Space Junk. Um, I am also on Podchaser in various things. Um, or you can find my Instagram, which sometimes has pictures I draw, at Beth K. Crane. Cool. Sasha? Uh, I'm Sasha Sienna. You can find me on Twitter at Sienna Sasha. Or you can also check out my uh, role-playing game company, MacGuffin & Co., at, on Twitter at MacGuffin & Co. or at www.mcguffinandcompany.com. Awesome. And Danny. I'm Danny. Um, you can find me at DT Cam Jansen on Twitter and on Instagram, I think on various social medias. Um, you can find most of my work over at the Whisper Forge, but the thing I'm going to plug is uh, the Disney podcast that I do with um, Julia Jaffini and uh, Lily Parra called Main Street Incorporated. Don't forget that you can always support Realms of Peril and Glory and uh, many other wonderful shows uh, by signing up to the Light and Tragic Patreon uh, for just a couple of pounds or dollars a month. Uh, you can get all sorts of amazing behind the scenes content. You get bonus episodes. We've got uh, various bonus episodes of different games that I've played in and I know that they were all pretty great, so I really recommend it. Um, plus, you know, you help independent queer creators do their thing. And if you're listening to a Spooky Sword Lesbians one shot, then that might be the kind of thing you want to do. So support queer creators and sign up to the Patreon. It's on patreon.com forward slash light and tragic. Um, and you can also follow us on social media if you want to see some kind of cute graphics of our various like characters and various memes and gifs about like D&D playing, TTRPG playing in general, uh, then you can follow at RealmsPod on Twitter. Twitter and on Instagram and just generally everywhere that social media is found and tolerated. Uh, so I do recommend uh, that you give us a follow. Uh, okay, nice. until next time, be gay, do crimes. Thank you very much for listening. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.